Good job, Jeremy. I stand redeemed. One day Amen. we'll stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And redeemed is the only way you want to stand. We, um, again, I just want to thank you for, for being here this morning. And, and don't, uh, please, if it's all possible, love for you to be here this evening for the Lord's Supper. Uh, that's a wonderful time of remembering, remembering what Christ has done for us, remembering what redeemed us. Uh, I think I turned this thing on. I'm not sure if I did. Yeah, I did. Okay, got it. I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. As we just read just a moment ago, I'll just read just a, a couple of verses, or maybe just the first verses. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we, every one of us, has a ministry. As we have, as we have received mercy, we faint not. And so he says this ministry that we have, uh, some faint or there's a possibility of fainting or giving up in this ministry. And sometimes it, that uh, any of us, we go through the trials of life and we go through the problems of life. Uh, the, the honest truth is, is that that becomes a real issue. Will we faint under this stress, under this pressure, under all that's coming? Now, what we see in the passage, I, I love going through a, a passage of Scripture like this because God gives us a plan. He gives us a remedy. He gives us a way in which we can defend against fainting in the ministry that we're trying to perform for Christ. And so we're just going to take a, a real quick look at it and, uh, and work through this, rig, as I said, very quickly. But, you know, Sunday morning is a very wonderful morning. Amen. It is. I, you know, I know it's, it's really kind of tough for a lot of people in this day and age because, uh, you know, Sundays are, are not the same. Matter of fact, we kind of emotionally and mentally, we sort of look at Sunday as the end of the week. It's kind of like the last day of the week that we can finally come in and get some rest. Uh, and in reality, it's not. It's the first day of the week. And and it's supposed to begin everything new. It's supposed to be sort of tithing to God that you take the first fruits of the week and give back to God. But it's a, it's a very wonderful thing. The morning is a very wonderful thing. In Luke chapter 24, it says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing spices which they had prepared and cert certain others with them. So the first day of the week was the day that Christ arose. Amen. Uh, this Sunday morning, he arose from the grave, and it's the first day of the week. It's a very important day. Acts chapter 20, verse 7 says, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Now, that's amazing. Uh, I wonder how we would do if we went to midnight. Amen? Uh, you know, people say, I had somebody yesterday, I was my uh, sister-in-law's birthday, and so we had a little get-together and went and, and had some of their friends there. And one of the fellas talking to me, and he make, takes mission trips and everything, and looked at me and said, you have church on Sunday night? And I said, yes, we do. And that's uh, two weeks in a row now I've had somebody visit it and say, you know, really? You have church on Sunday night? Yes, we do. Amen. Amen. Uh, you say, where you get that? Well, apparently they did. Um, they preached all the way till midnight. But upon the first day of the week, they came together. And one of the things they came together was what we're going to do tonight. They came together to break bread. Now, it wasn't just to eat, just to, you know, to, hey, we're going to have, a, you know, dinner on the grounds every, every Sunday. They weren't doing that. They came to remember. 
remember what had just taken place, that the resurrection had taken place on the first day of the week. So the first day of the week, they're going to remember, they're going to continue. And, and what's amazing is Christ told them to do it, but they're so close to the resurrection, yet they're still saying it's very important that we remember. And then if you look at, first, well, you don't have to, but 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, says upon the first day of the week, you probably won't like this one too much, but it says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And basically Paul's saying, he's saying, look, first day of the week, when you gather, the first day of the week, when you gather to remember, the first day of the week, also, you need to lay aside what God has blessed you, you know, some of what God has blessed you with. And this is not a message about tithing or anything like that. It's not, and you, I think you know already, I've been here four months as your pastor, maybe a little over, and, and, uh, and that's not, that, I believe, I trust in God. God's going to take care of us, and I believe God will touch your heart. But the truth is, I believe that whatever's in Scripture, we have to teach. And so that's what I'm doing this morning. And, and just very clearly, they said, he said, you meet, you meet to remember. First day of the week, he arose. Now meet to remember that he arose and teach about the fact that he arose. And he said, also lay aside that which God has blessed you with so that you can take care of those who are going to continue to preach that he arose. And uh, in, our, in our case, that's uh, 40-something missionaries that we're supporting uh, out there. And in our case, it's uh, uh, buses that we're running that have young people over in junior church this morning. And, and in our case, it's the ministries that we have and the soul winning ministries and outreach ministries that we have and going to the nursing homes to try to reach people uh, that nobody, honestly, a lot of people have forgotten about. Uh, that's what we lay aside to do that, not to you know, we, we try to keep the building very nice, and, and uh, we're trying to work on that right now, trying to make it nicer, but, but we're, not, we're not putting gold inlaid anything. We're not, that's not what the money's supposed to be spent for. It's supposed to be spent to try to reach other people for Christ. So the first day of the week, Christ arose. The first day of the week, the disciples gathered to meet and break bread and remembrance as we ought to do tonight and we will do tonight and teach the word of God as we gather. And the first day of the week, the Corinthians gave as they had been blessed by God for the furtherance of the gospel. Now we gather on the first day of the week, Sunday morning, not to put in our time. And it's something you'll hear from me over and over again. We don't come to church to get brownie points with God. We don't come to church to rub a rabbit's foot that now we came and, okay, things ought to work good this week. That's not why we come. Sunday morning has come, and why are we here? It's in one word. Therefore. Therefore. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Why are we meeting here? Therefore. Therefore. Each of us, once we are saved, has the same ministry. This ministry is to learn of the resurrection, to teach of the grace we have received and the resurrection we have believed. You know, we've received grace. If you're saved today, if you know you're 100% sure you're on your way to heaven, you didn't earn that. You didn't do something good to get that. You didn't even come to church to, to, to make sure that happened. What you had is a gift. It was the mercy of Almighty God. It was the grace that you received from God. 
We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it, but God has given it to us. The resurrection, we believe, to give the furtherance of the gospel. But the warning comes early, and this is so amazing. He says, he's very clear, you're here, you come for the ministry, the ministry that you received by grace when you got saved. And you say, all of us? Every one of us. Every one of us has the same ministry, and God's given us a little warning. Now, this ministry of telling people about the furtherance of the gospel, tell it that supporting the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the ministry of telling people how to be saved, the ministry of teaching and guiding and helping others, the ministry God has given us the moments we got saved. He says, now, wait, wait a minute, let me warn you. There's a danger out here. You may faint. You may faint. What does it mean to faint? Faint means to be weary. Not, it doesn't mean like we think, you know, she fainted, he fainted, and they passed out. Although it, you know, it would be almost pretty close and coherent. But, but faint means to be weary, to be weak in heart for the cause. God says what happens is, is we become weakened in our heart for the cause. You know, we've had, I think, and I'm not positive here, I think it's 23 people that have joined the church uh, in the last four, four and a half months, something like that. And many of those, and some of those have, you know, maybe they haven't been in church and or maybe hadn't been in church much or, or maybe just got saved, never been in church at all. Can I just, I'm going to warn you, please, please understand this. There's an enemy after you. Before you can sink roots deeply in for the cause of Christ, before you can really get really grounded, he wants to, he wants to come. You know, when, when that storm came to my house the other day, I looked out and my trees are fine. They're still up there. The bushes are fine. They're still up there. But I had to go find my garbage cans <laughs> because they had no root. They had no strength to hold them in place. I didn't even know it really got that windy. I got to tell you all this. See my war wound? Folks, I went in, I, I was outside working and left my windows down in my truck. And I thought, okay, probably it won't rain that much. <sighs> Man, I've never, I mean, it came a storm. Anybody, I don't know, maybe it just came at my house. I'm not sure. But, but I was out there a couple nights ago and, and, and I, uh, it came storming and, and I'm sitting down just getting ready to eat or was just eating a bite. And all of a sudden, boom, somebody said, hey, it's storming like crazy out there. And it was coming down in sheets, and it was just flying. And, and so I booked out there and ran to my truck. But I also remembered I had left my garage door open, and everything's still inside that garage. It's kind of blowing there. So, so I, I ran to the truck, rolled those windows up, jumped out of the truck, started running around to the front of the garage, come running into the front of the garage, going to shut those doors. There was just one problem. Jay Goldsboro, the missionary that was staying with us, was going to do me a favor. So he got up from the table after I did, and he came straight to the garage, and he punched the button to close the door. <laughs> I'm running with my head down, rain, crazy, and I went, and that door is coming down, and I never saw it. I ran out there, boom. <laughs> Feet flew out from under me, and I slid right on into the garage. And Jay just staring at me. He don't know what to say. It's just like. 
Like, thank you, Jay. Never saw it. I mean, man, I, it just, my head hit and my feet flew, and the next thing it hit was all parts of me that are hurting right now. But we get weak in heart, and when we get weak in heart, if we're not grounded, so I, I beg it. I read something, statistics just recently, and I'm going to throw this out to everybody here, and I want you to grab it. Um, I, I read that 90% of the people, watch this now, who go to Sunday school, and we, a lot of people have done away with Sunday school, but go to Sunday school and church. 90% of those people, and I think it was right at 90, I have to get the facts just right, but it may have been 89 or something like that, but right at 90%, five years from now, are still in church. Watch this now. It drops down to about 30% if you only go to Sunday morning church. That five years from now, you'll still be in church. So watch this, watch this. When you come and you get here and you, you get on fire and you get your life straightened out and you, you maybe you get saved and you say, wow, this is so good. Let me just tell you, Get into everything. Be there for everything. Ah, man, I'm not used to getting up Sunday morning. Get up anyway. Come. You say, you just want more people at church? No, I want more people whose lives are salvaged for God still five years from now. I know what changed my life. I know where I came from. I know what God did. How do we keep from fainting, though? Here's what we got to do. And I'm giving you a little tidbit. You know, come to church. Come to Sunday school. Be faithful. Be diligent. Make, I, I've said this probably 10 times already. Make one decision that covers all other decisions. Decide right now. Okay? I'm going to do it. Everybody here? We're going to decide right now. Every Sunday, we're going to church. Okay? Now, you don't get up next Sunday and say, I wonder if we should go to church. Listen, that, that's the wrong time, especially if you stayed up 3 o'clock. That's another decision to make. Decide you're not going to stay up late Friday, Saturday night. Because you stay up extra late, later than you normally do during the week, and then you ah, oh, I just can't get up Sunday morning. But we got up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to work Monday through Friday. But, but say, I just can't do it. I just can't. Yes, you can. Here's how you do it. It's already decided. People say, man, you just got to have character to get up. No, listen to me. When I'm asleep, I don't have any character. Okay? And when I'm semi-conscious, I don't have much character. So that decision, if I decided, listen, if I had decided it this morning, the last three or four weeks has been nonstop. And I told you about it. I said, I got to have someplace just shut down for just a couple days, you know? And so I started to do it today. But... Uh, <laughs> But I made that one decision that we're going to go to church. All right. Now, how do I keep from fainting? I keep trying to get here and I haven't got here yet. How do I keep from fainting? You go to the Scripture and always use the Scripture. He says, verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have, we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced, look at this, how do I keep from fainting? have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Amen. Now, folks, I'm just, all we're going to do is teach what God said. We're going to look at it. 
Renounce. Renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. Now, I understand that in order for us to you know, fill this place up really, really quick, I've got to make sure that you feel really, really good about yourself. Good about, how about that? <laughs> you feel really, really good about yourself every week when you leave out of here. And I'm not trying to make you not feel good about yourself, but, but the truth is, if we're going to long-term feel good with God, then we've got to take the Word of God and see what it says and actually let it do something to us. And here's what it says. If I'm going to keep from feigning in serving God, I've got to renounce, speak out against, forbid, to give up dishonesty. Dishonesty. And you're looking and you're saying, you think somebody here is dishonest? I think everybody here at times is dishonest. Even dishonesty. Now listen to what it says though. Listen to really what it says. Renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. Now folks, hold on now. This is going to get us all now. Because most of us would say, well, I'm an honest man. So long as I know, you know about it. But what are we talking, he's talking about, are we honest when nobody knows? It's like they're saying, you know, would you rob the bank if you knew you could get away with it? And several people just said, well. <laughs> what we're allowed to do, are we really honest when nobody else knows about it? You say, why is this important? It's important because God apparently thought it was important. And I don't know if you know this, but God kind of knows people. He knows us. He knows what makes us. Now, here's what I'm talking about. This is not about getting caught kind of repentance, but rather I'm wrong repentance. Now, watch this. Here's, when I was uh, up at Bible College and I was catching shoplifters, and uh, it was a great job to do while you're going to Bible College. <laughs> You know, leave Bible college, all this preaching, teaching, and everything in the afternoon, and I'd go to a store and a plainclothes detective, and I would catch shoplifters. Had binoculars, looking through two-way mirrors. And I would uh, zoom in on them and watch them stick. I, I, I saw a guy take a lure out of a box and stick it in his pocket. That's dumb. Okay. <laughs> You got to want something really bad when you take a fishing lure out of your pocket. I mean, out of your out of the box. Now, stick it in your pocket in the box, but take it out of the box and put it in your pocket. He tried to dump it when he knew somebody was after him, but he couldn't. It was all hooked into his pants. I had to cut his pocket out to get my fishing lure back. Now. Here's what I caught 400 shoplifters in 40 months. I worked there 40 months, caught 400 shoplifters. Now, can I tell you, the vast majority of them, maybe all of them, they, never, they were incredibly sorry. I catch them, bring them in, I'm going to write them up, and I set them down across from me in tears and begging, and oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Can I tell you? They were sorry that they got caught. 
They were not sorry that they had broken the law or stolen something. They were sorry that, I got, that they got caught. Because, listen, many of them would come back in and steal again. Because they weren't, the sorrow, and that's what God's saying. He said, when nobody knows, do you really repent of that dishonesty? Number two, if you look at the scripture, it says, and have, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Look at this. Not walking in craftiness. Craftiness. Deception. Using deception and or following after those who benefit by deception. Half truth in any situation is not half truth but a whole lot. It's really... And again, you're thinking, Brother Hooker, why are you preaching this stuff to us? I'm just preaching because this is what is in the Bible. And he said, you're going to come. You have the grace of God in you. You've gotten saved. You've got your life straightened out. God's grace is coming. And you've you got a ministry for God. He said, now, don't faint. Don't, don't give up in this serving me. Don't, don't, don't weary in this. Don't let your heart get weary. And watch, he said, and, and I'm going to warn you. Here's what's going to weary your heart, being dishonest. Dishonesty is going to weary your heart. He says, watch this, akin to that, being deceitful. Amen. Or connecting with people who are deceitful. When we shade what we say to benefit us, when we withhold the truth to protect ourselves. Boy, this is a great Sunday morning message, isn't it? I never have got this thing straightened out. Tonight, I'll tell you how good you are. <laughs> Can I tell you, just let me help you. I'm not one of those that points it at you. Look, I'm talking to me. When I read this in the scripture, God checks me out. And I have to look at him and say, Lord, cleanse me. If there's something there. And look, folks, there's hardly any of us that we don't, we don't kind of shade the truth a little bit to kind of make ourselves look a little better. You know, you take two witnesses to something or somebody's been in a conflict or something's happened and you, tell, you listen to this story over here and it's amazing. Uh, I'd take marriage counseling. I'd have them sit down and, and, uh, and take them separate. You know, I, okay, I'm going to listen to the husband's story, which is always the truth. And then I'm... <laughs> And then I'm going to listen to the wife's story, and, you know, I'm going to go through. And it's amazing. After I get through listening to the wife's story, if I listen to her first, I'm ready to kill her husband. Because I listen, and I think, I cannot believe that he would do that. I cannot. And then she, he walks in, and I'll, tell, you know, I'll say, oh, give me the story. And by the time he gets done, I'm ready to kill her. Because we shade the truth. The same incident, but, boy, it sure sounds different from the two sides. Because we want. It to sound good for us. Number three, and this is uh, probably as important as anything that's in here. What's going to keep us from fainting? This is not walking in, in, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness. Now look at this. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Handling the word of God 
deceitfully. The words handling and deceitfully in the original language are the same word. They mean the same thing. They both mean to adulterate, to ensnare for your own gain, twisting the word of God. We are in a time when only the only scripture that is used is misused so that we can abuse the scripture without being accused. Didn't that sound good? You say, what in the world did that mean? I don't know. Let me read it again. Since we are in a time when the only scripture that is used is misused so that we can abuse the scripture without being accused by the scripture. We want to change it. We want to manipulate it. We're in a, this, it is amazing. And this is just for illustration purposes, so don't get upset. But, but here, this whole movement today in our Christianity is they say that Jesus made water into wine, so taking a little wine is not, not an issue, and drinking alcoholic beverage is not an issue. I, I just want to warn you if there's no scripture at all, which there's all kinds of scripture about this, we're about to you know, give you a couple. But the fact is, is that I just want to warn you if you've ever seen a life or a family messed up because of alcohol, here was the remedy. It would have never happened if they never took a drink. And the only way that you can guarantee that you never will be an alcoholic is if you just never take a drink. That's the only guarantee. But here's the big thing. Jesus made water into wine, so have a little wine. It's okay. But here's what they do. Then they move in, and so somehow... I had a, a young preacher boy, and he said, he said, I just think it's too, uh, it's just ludicrous you know, to make issue about, uh, you know, the, you know, drinking a little, uh, you know, alcoholic beverage. You know, he said to, you know, Jesus made water into wine, and, and, and the fruit of the vine is, is nothing wrong with the fruit of the vine, and God speaks about it all through the scripture. And while, and here's what he was doing now. He was drinking a Tom Collins. Anybody, don't tell me, do you know where one is? Okay, and he and I, and I looked at him and said, hey, son, let me help you. What you're drinking has nothing to do with the fruit of the vine. Beer is not the fruit of the vine. It's rotted corn. Hello? Bourbon is not the fruit of the vine. Gin is not the fruit of the vine. You say, well, then the fruit of the vine is okay. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's, it's manipulation of the truth. The fruit of the vine, that has nothing to do with it. Now, what's the, what's the issue here? What about the rest of Scripture? See, we take a Scripture and we manipulate a Scripture, and this was God saying. He said, now, don't, don't deceive using Scripture. He said, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a raging, and whosoever deceived thereby is not wise. How do you like that one? Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever deceived thereby is not wise. Proverbs 23, 29 through 35. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? I do. <laughs> um, who hath redness of eyes? Who is it? Who's this terrible description? Woe and sorrow and contentions and babbling and wounds without cause and redness of the eyes, they that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, 
Look not upon that, the wine when it is red, when it giveth the color in the cup, when it moveth itself right. That's fermented wine. And at the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. That's the addiction. It tormented me while I did it. And I'm going to wake up and go after it again. You say you're talking about alcohol. No, I'm not. I'm trying to get these principles that God taught us how not to faint. And he made it very clear. Dishonesty, hidden dishonesty, will cause us to faint. Not walking in craftiness will cause us, if we not walk in craftiness, will cause us not to faint. And handling the word of God deceitfully. We're to go to the Word of God, and listen, please get this. We're to go to the Word of God with open hearts and allow it to determine what we believe. Why? So that we can manifest, express, display truth to those who have been blinded by the, by the God of this world. There, there's so many around this community, and, and, and as we've said so many times, so many uh, people have moved away from this community, but the fact is, is that we are here to try to reach this community. You know what's in this community and around Memphis area and around uh, North Mississippi? A lot of people whose eyes have been blinded by the God of this world. Get this principle, please, and, and I pr let it sink into your mind and your heart. We are not to decide what we want and what we believe or what we want to believe and then go to Scripture to find some way to prove it. Don't say, well, this is what I want to believe. And then go search the scripture to try to prove it. That's using the word of God deceitfully. You say, then what, how do I use the word of God? Here's what you do. You go to the word of God and you say, as I read, as I study, God guide my mind, Holy Spirit direct my heart and teach me what I should believe. Let the Word of God tell you what to believe. Don't decide what you believe and then go to the Word of God and try to prove it. For our eyes have been opened. You see, we've got to manifest, express, display truth to those who have been blinded by the God of this world. It's what the Scripture says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, ourselves, your servants, for, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Listen, for our eyes have been opened to see who Jesus really is. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We are, he, God is shining in our hearts. He wants us to give what he has shined. We want us to shine forth out of our hearts. Suddenly the Christianity, the church is not about me or man, but about Christ. 
And when we transfer from this being about how, hey, how will this help me? How can I network? How can I feel better about myself? That's not why we're here. Why we're here is to love God without our heart and our soul and our mind, our body, our strength. It's to love others as we love ourselves. This treasure is the life of Christ lived through us and the peace, love, and joy that comes from knowing and serving, submitting to Christ. You see, God says here in verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What's our treasure? That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have a wonderful treasure as a Christian that the power that God works through us is not our power. It's His power. This treasure is the knowledge of Christ, the peace that salvation by Christ brings, the security of knowing that no one and nothing can take away the gift of eternal life. This treasure is the life of Christ lived through us and the peace and love and joy that comes from knowing and serving and submitting to Christ. So the great lesson today is this. We can have a great life. We can have peace. We can have love. We can have joy in this life if we have integrity in our lives. Integrity in life, integrity in and with the Word of God. The integrity begins with honesty in our hearts about salvation. The integrity as a saved man is about living an honest life and not deceitful life, a pure life. God says if you don't want to faint, there are some things that are very, very important. And he gave you just three of them right here. Now, the truth is, he's about to warn us, and we didn't even get, we didn't read in this. But if you go to verse 8, verse 8 says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. God says to all of us, you've come by grace. You've come to me. You serve me. And he comes, if we skip past all these verses of warning and how to stay strong, he says, why is this so important? Because now he's going to tell us what causes us to faint. He said, I'm going to protect you against fainting because this is coming. This is coming. And when it comes... Look what he says it comes, and I'm almost done. When it comes, we are troubled on every side. Ever felt that way? He says we're troubled on every side, but see, if we'll follow the procedure he just gave us, he said we're troubled on every side, yet we don't have to be distressed. Look, he says we are perplexed, puzzled, confused, but we don't have to be in despair. Because God's still in control. He said, we're persecuted. And can I tell you, persecution is coming more and more for the Christian. If you're going to live like a Christian and people actually know you're a Christian, it's not a day where they rejoice in that. It's a day where you're going to be persecuted. But he says, persecuted, but not forsaken. Because we know no matter what we go through, God's still with us. Look at this. He says he's cast down, but not destroyed. Cast down, but not destroyed. I heard a message years and years ago called knocked down, but not knocked out. And you know the truth is? The old devil may knock you down a bunch of times, but he cannot knock you out. 
The only thing that he can get you to do is to throw in the towel and quit. He has no authority or ability to knock you out. He can only knock you down. And you say, what's going to help me to get up? If you've been following in integrity, the integrity that God said, if you're honest with others, if you're honest with yourself, if you're honest with God. He said, when the trials come, you may be knocked down, but you're not going to be knocked out. Father, I pray that you'd bless. Lord Jesus, I...